0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. One full hour of wrestling news, entertainment, and lots of Sin City surprises from inside the squared circle. Now, let's bring on the host. Here is Mark Hoke.
1: All right, everybody! Hey, we got another special edition of the Mark Oak Show. Thanks for being with us; we do appreciate it. As we are here on KDWN one hundred one five FM seven twenty AM, it's the show. So nice we get to be on the radio twice. How about it? The best in pro wrestling news and entertainment, and a whole lot more. And I did manage at the last minute to get one of my ride mates along. I am very excited to have with you with me on Saturday night here, the amazing, the incredible, and he's uh, he's an okay looking guy, Joe DeFalco from future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas. Joe, how are you tonight? Oh, oh,
0: sorry. In the mail, I said, "How could I say no to
1: that?" <laughs> there you go. All right, well, Joe, how's uh, how's your weekend going so far?
0: And so far, so mediocre, you know. Uh, not 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 a good week on the uh, the gambling front.
1: Too much on the hockey or the basketball? Where are you getting killed?
0: Oh, in the casino. Oh, the casino. Yeah, that video poker not doing well.
1: Joe, oh, come on. You should know better than that.
0: Man. Well, you know, I've done well in the, you know, up until pretty recently.
1: Well, they know how to find you, Joe. You know that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They know where I live.
1: Yeah. No, they, they, they know how that card works. <laughs> win, a win, I win. Didn't
0: have, uh, I didn't have a... Did you see Evander Holyfield's kid got knocked out in the first round? He was uh, minus 10,000. No, I didn't see that. I just saw it on the, the Trillers fight. He was 9-0. and He got beat up by an electrician, knocked out cold. Wow.
1: Not good. Well, that'll, uh, that'll set that career back for a little bit, but
0: oh, well. You know. I just want to know was there anybody who bet ten thousand to win a hundred bucks?
1: Oh could you imagine? Who'd be that stupid? Well yeah. we're in Las Vegas, so
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I I remember people betting on uh Vander Holy's I mean on Tyson against uh him called Buster, Buster Douglas at that time, so
1: Yeah, that does happen.
0: Well yeah, like hey Yeah. You know,
1: so, by the way, Joe, uh, how's how are the things at future stars of wrestling going? What do, I, I know I've been seeing, if you're not following them on Facebook, by the way, if you want to get your Facebook feed blown up, in a good way.
0: all yeah, the future
1: we, star of wrestling. Yeah. Holy cow. A lot going on.
0: And there's a lot going on. You know, we're just two weeks away. Uh, the full tilt weekend. Some people call it AEW weekend. Some people call it Memorial Day weekend. But I'm going to put my show up with any card that's going to happen that weekend. so
1: Yeah, Chip, it's going to be an amazing weekend here in Las Vegas. If, if you don't know, of course, AEW All Elite Wrestling has three events going on here in Las Vegas. On Wednesday and Friday night, they have their Dynamite and Rampage tapings, and then Sunday is the Double or Nothing pay-per-view with the main event, Adam Page, the hangman, defending the AEW World Championship, against cm punk at t-mobile and it is sold out it is going to be one hell of a night in there and i got media credentials for the tv shows i do have tickets for the pay-per-view so i'll get to give everybody a lot of live up close and personal information about what's going on at AEW for that week and i know joe you've got a lot of events planned too it's going to be sensational
0: yeah now all of a sudden starting to get hit up from uh all avenues from AW side, Buddy Matthews, uh, QD Marshall. Uh, we had talked with Jay Lethal. You know, people trying to you know make make as much cash as possible that weekend. Where I'm getting hit up. Who wants? Hey, interested in us doing a seminar? And it's like, well, you know, I got Jay Lethal and Davey Richards, uh, one, two, whichever one you know who's able to to do it. So. You know, so Cutie Marshall might have to miss out on doing a seminar. So, But, you know, he's a good seminar to do because, you know, he's the right-hand man of Tony Khan. So, you know, maybe if you get in good with that guy, you can send in some stuff and you can get a look-see.
1: There you go.
0: Well, you know, Joey,
1: as a promoter here in Las Vegas, what is it like building something around an event when a big pay-per-view comes to town? Of course, Las Vegas is now really starting to heat up In terms of events for AEW and WWE, of course, AEW has had double or nothing here. I think this will be the third one, and uh, WWE has just had SummerSlam here. We've got Money in the Bank coming up, and it sure seems like WWE is going to be making Allegiant Stadium a permanent uh, stop on the on the tour. Of course, we had uh, Money in the Bank here a while back, but. Allegiance seems to be a pretty popular place all of a sudden. So what is that like from your perspective? What are you dealing with? You know, aside from you know getting a couple phone calls here and there, what, what do you end up doing and what happens?
0: Well, we didn't really start until WWE did SummerSlam out here last year. You know what I mean? It's like generally, if you're going to run multiple events, you want to kind of do it around WrestleMania. But, you know, so far... You know, WWE hasn't come to Allegiant Stadium for WrestleMania. So, you know, we've not really been in that position. And Mm -hmm. as the years have progressed and we got ourselves, you know, with good people, you know, working together, whether it was Impact or Ring of Honor and then GCW and and, uh, Sammy Callahan, who's worked with us in the past, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, hey, something's going on. So, you know, I make a call because I already know GCW's coming to town. You know, they hit me up and and Brett, the owner, is like, hey, we're going to be doing something. Obviously, uh, AEW weekend. Well, we had planned on doing a joint show with uh, Sammy Callahan uh, two years ago. Uh, Zachary Wentz, who uh, Nash Carter... He was getting married to Kimberly uh, in May of 2020, and we were building a mecca show around that with revolver because the Rich Swans, Ace Austin, Sammy Callahan, that, that whole crew from the Midwest that works with Sammy, they were coming to town, and we had plans, and... You know, three months before the show, like in March, before right before the pandemic, you know, we we were already sold out of front row for a show that, you know, wasn't going to be on for at least almost three months. And, you know, we saw that AEW had a different type of fan base. When we ran the Meccas, we did them based off Ring of Honor. So when GCW came to town... Uh, We had worked with them in the past, and I thought, you know, finally maybe we should do a show together. And we did on the Sunday afternoon, surprisingly enough. uh, SummerSlam started at 5, you know, the pre-show was at 4, and we did a 12-noon show. And basically the FSW Arena was sold out. You know, it wasn't a 1,000 people, but it only, you know, it fits right around 300, but for a a 12-noon show it really showed that the fans were willing to come out and we've learned that from Wrestlemania when they do 100 shows. Right. So now AEW's back and the, since they're around Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, we figured, hey, look, why don't we do something Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And you know, GCW talked to some of their friends who happens to be Black Label Pro and they they run, you know, a solid a solid show. And I worked with Callahan. So we have four companies as well as a guy we know was running a, girl, a women's show. So there's literally seven events that we're running ourselves. Wow.
1: That is amazing. By the way, uh, Joe, tell everybody a little bit about GCW if they don't know what that is. Because I mean, we may have some casual fans that are listening that might know about WWE and AEW, but not some of the other promotions.
0: Well, GCW was a company that really took off right during the pandemic you know they were they were getting you know they were getting some good uh good publicity they were getting to be pretty well known uh and
1: scheme changer wrestling just see
0: if you right and they words. were similar to they they were kind of like uh the ecw version of ring of honor uh nick gage you know king of the death match and they, they put together some shows but when the pandemic hit ring of honor shut down and GCW ran wherever they could, whenever they could, outdoor shows, indoor shows, and they really got themselves out there to the point where when the pandemic was toward the end and we were all able to start doing shows, Ring of Honor kind of stopped, and GCW kind of took over as that live event company, and they were doing, you know, the numbers Ring of Honor used to do in the past. And to be honest with you, I think part of the reason they folded was because they lost all the momentum Ring of Honor uh, to GCW. I agree. And then Nick Gage got to be on AEW. So they got more of a fan base. They had Jericho. And then with Ring of Honor folding recently, they brought in like a Matt Cardona, who they ran a great angle with. That got over huge. And, you know, he ended up winning their championship for a little while. And, you know, they, they made a lot of right moves, and they used guys like Ricky Morton and the Rock and Roll Express, and they used two Cold Scorpio. And they, they kind of mix in, like, these crazy classic guys, but then they also brought in to do Bloodsport, as well as the Joey Janela stuff on WrestleMania, the Midnight Shows, and they really branded themselves. And, and to me, they're... The, the the number three company in the United States because impacts more of a television company.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It's it's been very interesting, and of course, seeing the rise of Matt Cardona, who if if you don't know, used to be Zack Ryder. Woo woo woo! You know, you know it and, has and has just re, totally reinvented himself, and he is the NWA World Champion, and his and the, the dude's got more independent scene titles than he can carry in his suitcase right now. It's unreal.
0: You know, the, the funny thing is, after WWE Impact was kind of the first thing, and he's still a part of Impact, but he has nowhere near gotten the popularity from Impact that he got as becoming the GCW Heavyweight Champion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was amazing. So, if you haven't been following what's been going on with him, I would suggest you give it a follow because Matt Cardona, yeah, he ain't Zack Ryder anymore. That's for sure. That is for sure.
0: You know, and John Moxley's their champion.
1: Yep. So yeah, it, it's it's an interesting company and one definitely to watch as the future goes on here in professional wrestling, which you know I think has been incredibly strong lately. So we'll see where that goes. Um, there were there were some interesting stories this week, Joe, and I, and of course you know we had uh, a lot that happened in the ring. But I kind of want to, since I have some time with you, I want to go back behind the scenes a little bit and talk about a few of these things that occurred this week behind the curtain and one that i wanted to hit was we all remember Sonny, who of course the manager who was in the hall of fame and just was in a massive fatal car crash she has had unbelievable trouble with the law Uh, she actually was given bail but that bond was revoked she is now in jail and doubtful. Oh, I wasn't aware be... of
0: that. I remember I saw somebody posted bail. I didn't know she was back in. Yeah, they just
1: they just picked her up uh yesterday. So she is back in jail. And you know, it, it's a very sad story to see that. But the the bigger picture on this is, you know, we see shows like Dark Side of the Ring where it's, you know, we just the horrible things that that happen with some wrestlers. And the the difficulty of the lifestyle, and and I'm curious, you know, you were in an academy there. How much of that do you talk about? You know, how much do, gets of that gets talked about behind the scenes to say, you know, you've got to watch yourself. You got to be careful. You you can't, you know, if you feel yourself slipping, you know, here's some resources to pull yourself back. And how predominant is it now, as opposed to, I mean, you know, the territory is everybody was doing crazy stuff. But but now what is it like? Is, are there places for everybody to go or you know has that settled down? What what's going on back there?
0: Well, it's much more difficult because, you know, we run a show two times a month and sometimes a guy that we use may not be even used that month. He might get used, you know, six times a year for us. So we're really not in the position to know what's going on obviously more so with the local talent because they're around and things like that uh you know we had an issue uh, a few shows ago that you know kid came a guy came to town one of our main out of town guys and you know a couple people said they believed he was drunk and it was before the show but the thing is it's like how many people smoke weed now because it's legal before the show during the show after the show You know, monitoring people, you know, as as everybody has learned in this world, that people are good at hiding what they don't want other people to see. So unless it's, you know, extremely obvious, you don't really know. And, you know, God forbid you accuse somebody of something, because then if you do that, that opens up another can of worms. So it's a lot easier for the WWE, uh, AEW, but I would think it's extremely hard for even like an impact, you know, they come in, they do a taping, they come in for two or three days, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody as they did in Vegas after the show, they go to the bar, they go eat, they go drink, you know, they go party, they go to bars, they go hang out and you know, you are going to get that, you know, that Jeff Hardy situation. You know, here and there. And all you can try to do is, you know, these are grown men. You can only ask them to do something. And it's like, if it's a guy high up on the card, you're probably going to give him the benefit of the doubt, let's say. And you don't want to stir the boat because you're only seeing him for today and tomorrow and you won't see him again for another five weeks.
1: Do you think that alcohol and drug use is Prevalent as it used to be in professional wrestling, or have people backed off? You know, especially the hard stuff. You know, we know we know so many stories about, especially cocaine use. I mean, the the stories about guys like Roddy Piper and so on using cocaine were are, are legendary at this point. You know, obviously in a bad way. But do you think that that's there's more of it, less of it? You know what's what's going on?
0: I think there is definitely less of it. But I do know over the last, you know, 10 years, you know, it's really switched to pain pills. And, you know, I've dealt with guys like after a show, you know, I'm doing commentary. I'm running around. I don't have a lot of time to pay attention to everything. And I remember one of the guys, and and I still use him to this day, and he came in. After the shmai, you know after the show and he started talking because he liked working for FSW. This was in the early days of the Silver Nugget, so this was probably like 2010. And he started talking to me, and then all of a sudden I like had to take a step back, and and all of a sudden he was kind of lulling when he was talking, and and I was like, ah, oh, this guy's got to be pilled up, you know. And, you know, fortunately after, you know, a while later, he ended up, you know, taking care of it and, and, you know, went for treatment. And, and I've seen that with, with some of the guys that we've used, but again, it's not really going to be advertised because they're independent wrestlers. If you take two months off, nobody, nobody knows why, you know, if somebody in WWE takes off for two months, you know, there's a million people trying to find out well. What happened? What's he doing? What did he, What did he do wrong?
1: Yeah, then of course, this is the Mark Hoke Show, special Saturday night edition. I'm Mark Hoke, the best in pro wrestling news and entertainment here in Las Vegas, along with a good buddy, Joe DeFalco, from Future Stars of Wrestling. And make sure you go to FSWVegas.com and check out everything Joe's got going on there. And, you know, and and leading into that, you know, I if you watched AEW on Wednesday night, you saw a match with Darby Allin and Jeff Hardy. Where they did this insane spot where Darby Allen jumped off, you know, that looked like at least a 12 foot ladder that was set up inside a ring. And he jumped off, did a flip onto Jeff Hardy, who was sitting on eight chairs that were laid out facing each other, uh, almost coffin esque. And Allen lands on top. Hardy tried to catch him, didn't look like he caught him very much, but. Uh, you know, and Hardy took some pretty hard bumps in there too, and you see the escalation of what guys are having to do in the ring. You know, you look at GCW, you look at a guy like like Nick Gage, who just tears himself apart every night, and of course, you know he's admitted he's had a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol and so on. And you just you just wonder when you see that. You know, it, it's cool, and you're like, oh wow, that was cool. But then you got to think about afterward. You know, how do you? How do you recover from doing that all the time? And and I was thinking about Jeff Hardy, you know, who's a guy that's dealt with addiction and things like that. And I'm thinking, God, he's got to be in so much pain all the time doing that kind of crazy stuff. You know, you you worry about people like that, that their bodies can't take it. And, you know, where do you turn to recover? And, you know, how hard is it to not just grab a bottle of pills and start shoving it down your throat, you know?
0: Well, and what you got to understand is it's like, you know, the guy who's on my show, he is looking to make a lot of money and become a WWE, AEW, New Japan superstar. And they're going to do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. I was talking on my podcast about, you know, wrestling. And sometimes you hear people like, oh, man, make sure you take it easy tonight. There's only 30, 40 people here. Well, a lot of people aren't taking it easy because they're not worried about the 30, 40 people that are in the stands. They're worried about the YouTube videos. They're worried about sending footage to somebody. If I have a match against the Davy Richards and it happens to be in front of 50 people, am I going to take it easy because there's only 50 people there? No way. Am I going to kill it because I want people to see that I hung with one of the best wrestlers in the world? Mm -hmm. and. That's how it is with all these guys. They're trying to get to that next level, so they're they're not concerned with if they're going to get hurt today or hurt tomorrow. They're worried about hopefully somebody sees this, it goes viral, and maybe it gets me a job somewhere.
1: Yeah, and you know, and it's it just seems like it's it's a catch twenty two because you don't want to. You don't want to cause your body too much pain, but at the same time, you want to up your career too. And finding that line, I would think, is very, very difficult. And you know, you're trying to get to that promised land of, of, say, a WWE or an AEW, but then even there, I mean, especially AEW, which is a, seems to me a little more physical style of wrestling, man, it's, it's just got to be hard to say, man, I, I got to do something to take that next step, get past this guy in the locker room and you're willing to do whatever it takes and sometimes that toll is too much of a no, price to pay.
0: No no different than in the past when guys took steroids because they wanted to look the part and other guys were looking the part and they felt that to, you know, to hang with those guys those were things that they needed to do. So and then as a promoter You know, you look at it as, okay, hey, there's this hot commodity. This guy's really blowing up the scene in SoCal. I'm going to bring him up, man. He does some crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden I bring him in and he doesn't barely do anything. Well, why would I bring him in again? You know, I was expecting this guy to do certain things. So, you know, it's that catch-22. Am I at fault because I'm expecting him to do it? Is he at fault because that's what he normally does? You know what I mean? It's like – there's so many people that are trying to get spots and, you know, I guess, thankfully, but unthankfully, sometimes there's so many companies that are running. There's so many independent companies, you know, seven years ago, we were pretty much the only, only local promotion. Now there's five, six, seven, you know, every, every weekend, there's something going on. Some draw and and most don't. But you know what? Our guys work them. Everybody works them because they're trying to get the experience. And everybody's vying for a spot.
1: Yeah, it it is a fascinating business, that's for sure. And, by the way, if you want to get into that business, a great place to go is Future Stars of Wrestling. Not only does Joe promote cards, but he also got a great academy down there. And would highly recommend, go to FSWVegas.com. Joe has sent some amazing wrestlers on to WWE and AEW. And if you haven't checked it out, get on over there and take a look-see. And by the way, of course, if you want to follow us on the show, you know, the the crazy trio of myself, Andrew Fishfane, and this guy Joe DeFalco, just go to MarkHokeShow.com. Of course, Facebook, Mark Hoke Show. Uh, the Mark Hoke, excuse me. Music. Wow, I lost it there. I tried to do a little flip and failed. Uh, <laughs> at Mark Hoke Show on Twitter. And, uh, of course, MarkHokeShow.Podbean.com for all of our podcasts And, of course, your favorite podcast outlets. And we've got the shows up on YouTube, too, if you want to listen to them there. So there you go. All right, everybody, stick around. Hey, we're going to be back with more with Joe DeFalco and myself, the best in pro wrestling news and entertainment here on KDWN, 101.5 FM, 720 AM. So stick around, everybody. We will be right back.
0: This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Here again, your host, Mark Hoke.
1: All right, and we are back for another half hour of pro wrestling news and entertainment here on KDWN, 101.5 FM, 720 AM. I have fixed my tongue. I should have just played that promo instead of babbling there for about 10 seconds, but that's okay. And of course, I'm along for the ride with Joe DeFalco from from Future Stars of Wrestling. Joe spending a Saturday night with me. Are you proud of that, Joe?
0: Uh, Show you how little I had to do today. Obviously.
1: (laughs) Oh well, we're hitting all the news and that's fit to print here. And another story that about one of the ladies, one of the best women's wrestlers in the world maybe getting sidelined again as Tessa Blanchard, of course, the daughter of Tully Blanchard and the stepdaughter of Magnum T.A. Don't even get us into that story if you don't know it. Sometime we'll explain it on the show on Sunday at 8 a.m. Has, of course, was working with a new company, WOW Women of Wrestling, and she was doing some training in a promo class And apparently did a promo on a wrestler named Samantha Sage slash Americana and made everybody so mad that she got pulled out of there and may now no longer be with the company. And, of course, she has had some other issues where she's been accused of bullying and racist comments. This is a woman, by the way, who was the Impact world champion and not the women's knockout champion. She was the, the world champion. I have watched her not only wrestle Sammy Callahan, of course, and winning that Impact title, but also watched her wrestle Brian Cage. You know, big, bad Brian Cage. But Tessa Blanchard may be on the outs with this company, too. Joe, I'm curious. Have you heard anything about this situation? And if she's out here, my God, where does Tessa Blanchard go? Is her career over?
0: No, her career's not over. It's just weird to me that. Since the pandemic, she really has done absolutely nothing. Uh, she actually worked for us the last shows before the pandemic went full-blown. She worked. Uh, we did uh, a toy con uh, that Friday and Saturday or the, whatever it was before. So she wrestled Chris Bay, and then she wrestled Lacey Ryan, who's now Zoe Stark in NXT, uh, for the Mecca match. And I'll have to say she was uh, interesting to deal with, I guess is, is, is the best way, you know? And again, there's a lot of people that are a little more difficult than others. She was somebody who was very, it, it was all business. Like every dollar like, why is that this? And why is this that? And in most cases, usually everybody's, you know, pretty mellow about it. You know, there's only been a few people I met that were like, you know, wanting to know why everything was everything. And, you know, at that point, you know, her being gone from impact, everybody expected her to probably sign with AEW because Tully Blanchard was there. And But then it was like, hey, if they really want a top name, you know, woman, you know, WWE. And then all of a sudden, you know, time passed and time passed. And, you know, she wasn't even doing any independent shots. And, you know, Daga is, they're now married. And even Daga seems to have taken a a step back. Like, he he had been working some shows. But, you know, I figured at worst, you know, Tessa would show up in Mexico and, and wrestle down there. Daga's from there. You know what I mean? But it's like she, you know, that's great that you sign with Wow, but there's a lot of people who sign with Wow, and you can still wrestle elsewhere. So, you know, obviously she is pretty untouchable, it seems like, from uh, the other companies don't want the, uh, the aggravation, I guess.
1: Well, and, of course, she had a big contract these people with – with Impact as well, where she wanted to get paid like the men, and uh, I, I think if I remember right, the number was like one hundred fifty thousand dollars or something like that. Uh, and Impact wouldn't pay it, and then she ended up vacating the the Impact World Title. There was a huge kerfuffle about that whole thing. Is is she getting? And, it, and it's hard to believe that you know with Magnum TA around, and and you know I I can't remember how good or bad the relationship is with her father Tully but is she just did she just need to take a step back and say you know maybe I need to chill out a little bit and you know take a little less money and not be as difficult to deal with and maybe realize I'm ruffling some feathers the wrong way I mean you know what what are you what are you seeing on this
0: Uh, it's hard to say take a step back she hasn't been a she hasn't been seen since March of 2020 so I think any injuries she had, she probably should be pretty well healed up.
1: Yeah, well, well, I mean, in terms of being aggressive in contract negotiations and things like that, yeah. uh, is, is she well, is she just demanding too much?
0: E- easy to say, but I think at this point, I don't think she didn't get signed because of $50,000. You know what I mean? I think they said, hey, whatever she wants or is asking, it's just not worth you know, the heat that we may be getting on that. You know what I mean? It was like, it seemed like Impact had no issues with wanting to take the belt off her because of some of the comments she made. And everything was good until, you know, things got changed and then she didn't drop the title and then she just didn't show up. Because that's what happened. She didn't show up. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, she was, you know, after the after our show, they went back to Mexico, and she was pretty much uh, in that San Diego, I'm not even sure, it was San Diego, Tijuana area. That's where they were, and that's where they were living. Uh, but she decided to not do anything during the pandemic. They, they seem to be, you know, concerned with that more so than some people, less than others. Obviously, you can't. You know, at that point, you can't say, well, she was wrong because she felt this, that. And the other thing, everybody had their thoughts and opinions and everything on what they wanted to do during the pandemic. But after it ended, just when you figured, you know, you're going to see her on a bunch of shows, she's going to show up somewhere, she hasn't. And I think it has a lot more to do with uh, a difference of, you know, $100,000. I think it has to do with, yeah, we were really not that interested
1: Boy, it's just it's just so hard to picture when you think about the possibility of Ric Flair's daughter and Tully Blanchard's daughter hooking it up for a championship. I mean, God, the 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 stories you could tell and the things you could do with something like that would be amazing. And you would think that if WWE were truly interested and you know there there wasn't something holding them back. That that wouldn't be something that they would love to do and put together. I just, you know, I'm, so I mean, the baggage must just be too much right now.
0: Yeah, but what surprises me more is, okay, well, the big companies, you know, they don't want her; they're not interested right now. So you would think people would try to, when people are trying to rebuild their reputation, you know, they go out on the indies just like big Cass. yeah, that's who had a, good a miserable example. reputation. You know, he had his issues. And he took care of him, and now he is in a good place, and now there's multiple companies that are interested in him, but he had to go out and prove it. And Tesla can't go out and prove it if there's no shows to be on. You know, was WOW paying her that well that, you know, that she didn't have to do anything until they were kicking off? Because, you know, it was weird. You know, I know the owner, Dave McLean, cool dude. I like him. And it was like, hey, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And it was like, but we're not going to do it for like 18 months. And it's like, well, you know, it's hard to remember what you're doing 18 months from now.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. So, well, we'll see where the saga of Tessa Blanchard ends up. That is for sure. And, uh, you know, well, and now one thing going back on the Blanchard legacy – to thinking about Tully and Magnum TA and the great, uh, and and to me it's one of the greatest matches of all time, was the I quit match that the two of them had for the U.S. title uh, back in the late 80s. Uh, what, to me, the psychology of that match and everything that led up to it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in professional wrestling. And we just had, speaking of Charlotte Flair, we just had Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey do an I quit match at that Really, to be honest, was right up there to me in, in terms of I quit matches and ring psychology. And Tony Khan just had a discussion about you know using blood in matches or color, depending on you know what terminology you want to use. I, Joe, you teach this stuff. What, what to you is are some of the most important things about ring psychology? And I and, and I don't know if you saw the Charlotte Ronda Rousey match or not. Uh, did did you get to see it? I saw the first
0: one and I heard the second one was better. It was.
1: Um, What are some of the things that when you guys teach it and are you looking for in terms of the ring psychology? Because obviously you can get people to go out and do a bunch of moves in a sequence and there you go and there's a match. But that's not what makes it special is the psychology and how people behave and facial expressions and things like that. What what do you look for in, in psychology in a match?
0: Well, it ha- it has to make sense, you know. The the biggest thing that annoys me, you know, Disco Inferno. He's uh, he was one of our trainers for a long time. Love Disco, and but you know the thing with Disco, he's a very opinionated guy. There's you know, if you go on Twitter, he he might be one of the most hated guys around. And you know, he looks at things logically. You know, he's not that older guy who's stuck in the uh, 90s and, all oh, these kids these days. But when he would teach a class, he would teach basically the same format. It was punching, kicking, and strikes and selling. And the biggest pet peeve he has is watching people no-sell everything just to get back into their next move. And that's the most important thing. Like, maybe the newer people, the newer fans, the younger fans, you know, they like that, which a lot of people call video game wrestling. You know, it's like the video game, you know. I super kick you, you super kick me. I super kick you, you super kick me. And it goes back and forth, and, you know, people get behind it. Oh, this is great. Well, you know. When you're trying to suspend belief, it's hard to suspend belief when no matter what you do, and it's always the same. It's like no matter what you do, everybody knows sells it, and then all of a sudden, you know, you roll somebody up and they can't kick out. And that's the part where you basically try to, you know, pound into somebody's head. Like, you know, you need to sell a little. You need to give somebody time to do things. And, and and Joe,
1: that, just, just so people understand, explain what the term sell and no sell means in case
0: they don't know. You know, w- there's a lot of times we have like, you know, especially now there's intergender matches, for example, and you'll have a 130 pound girl wrestling a 250 pound guy. And if it didn't happen on my show. It happened on another show. It was one of our wrestlers. And unfortunately, they got a little offended when I gave, the, gave a critique to her. And what I basically said was the one thing that took me out of the match was the fact that you were going toe-to-toe with a guy who's called the bad dude, and you're forearming him, he's forearming you, you're forearming him, he's forearming you, and nobody seems to be taking any punishment. And to me, it just takes me out of the match, and that's the one thing that if it takes you out of the match, then you don't care what happens. You're not, you you know, you're not enthralled in it. You, you, you know, you suspend belief. But you can't suspend belief when certain things are so ridiculous that you you just shake your head. And it's like if a 250 pound guy is forearming a 130 pound girl, she's going down. Should rock her pretty good. Yeah, and. She should have to hit you five times, which is fine. You know, boom, 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 to kind of shake you up. You know, I was kind of watching Floyd Mayweather. You know, he was the guy. You know, it was his defense, and he'd pepper you. But it wasn't like he was going to knock you out on one punch. And unfortunately, in these days and age, everybody's looking for the next spot. Like, okay, we need to wow the car, the crowd and, you know, Let's hurry up and get to that next point. And that's why the basics are very important. And you need to learn the basics because that's what WWE is going to look for. You know, they don't care if you can flip off the top rope. They want to know that you can do the basic things that you should be taught when you're being trained properly in professional wrestling.
1: Who are some of the best sellers that you see in professional wrestling today? Like, if you were looking around and said, this guy does it right, this woman does it right, who who are some of the ones you respect the most?
0: Uh, you know, I, I watch more of our stuff to see that, but, you know, there's guys who, you know, Seth Rollins, for example, you know, just, just in that Cody match, you know, the firing up of Cody and Kevin Owens, you know... It's generally going to be the heel when that baby face is making that strong comeback to make it where it's believable to be there. You know, John Cena used to take a beating in every match and so did Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? But nobody remembers that because they had their big comeback and, you know, and Hogan drops the leg and it was all over. But, Go watch Hulk Hogan matches, you'll see that 75% of the offense was from the heel. And that's what they say with babyfaces fighting from fighting from underneath, which means, you know, it's their job because as a babyface, they're trying to garner sympathy from the fans that the reason why a heel is a heel is because he can't beat the good guy, fair and square. He has to do something dirty to turn the match into his favor. If he doesn't, then why is he a heel? Just because he gives you a mean look? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, where where do you think blood comes in? And, and you know, it's, a, it's a, a debate right now that goes on a lot because WWE doesn't use it. They haven't, they've tried to stay away from it since about 08, uh, I think, when they... Said no more, no more blood in matches. AEW, maybe, I think especially as of late is possibly overdone it a little bit. Uh, you know, how where, where are you on using blood in a match?
0: In all honesty, on our shows, most people that want to do it will come up to me and like, "Oh, is it okay?" And I'm like, "If you want to, you know what I mean." It's like, in most cases, it's really not necessary. You know what I mean? It's almost a shortcut in certain certain times. You know, there's times that you obviously, it builds to this blood feud, this thing that you've built for months and you're inside a steel cage. But in all honesty, it's really not necessary in most cases. People do it, especially in the independent level, they do it because they think it's cool and they think it's going to garner, you know, a pop. But, you know, if you're not doing a first blood match and you're not doing a steel cage match, you know what I mean? It's like, how important is it?
1: Yeah, I've always thought that if you're going to have blood in a match, it it needs to be in a major feud, in a blow-off match, in something that's going to be you know a vicious like a Texas death match or you know or a cage match or something right, along right, right. those lines where two people are just at a point where you know you've had a 6 month long feud where you hate 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 each other not just a, you know we've been duking it out for a month and now I'm going to bust you open no it's it's something that to me has always needed to be used at the end of a massive feud not just a, a small little 10 to 10, if you will.
0: Yeah, you know, if Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar decided to go that route, I wouldn't be like, oh, what are they thinking? You know what I mean? Yeah, that was but, going on for a year. Right. But even them, you know, if, if it did happen, it was because uh, somebody got hit the wrong way. You know what I mean? And, and that happens a lot, too, you know. But it's like if you're doing vicious things and you're carving, like with Nick Gage and Chris Jericho, you know, and I'm cutting you with a pizza cutter, it's kind of dumb if you don't bleed,
1: right? <laughs> that's still one of the funniest things ever with the Domino's ad on the side. Oh my god, I will never forget that. And
0: yeah. then they read about it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Domino's should have been thrilled.
0: <laughs> right now, people would buy pizza cutters just to buy them. Why I do you s- care?
1: I still remember. Is but that's so funny they got upset about. It. But do you know how many times do you remember watching a wrestling match and remembering what ad was on the side?
0: No. Well, Never.
1: <laughs> I do. That's the one. That's the one. That's for sure. Well, of course, this is the Mark Hoke Show on KDWN, 101.5 FM, 720 AM, the best in pro wrestling news and entertainment. Special Saturday night edition here with Mark Hoke and Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling. And, Joe, uh, i tell you, it's it's been a very interesting week. And uh, did you get to watch anything this week? Uh, what, what did you get to see, if anything?
0: Uh. I watched uh I watched some SmackDown yesterday.
1: You know, a lot of people were really talking about that SmackDown episode
0: that and, and it, the main thing I know I saw was uh the Uso stuff with RK Bro and the promo and I thought Heyman and Sami Zayn was very funny, you know. It it just mind mind boggles me that, you know, when I was just starting into the wrestling business, Sami Zayn was El Generico, mm-hmm. and when he ended up getting signed, it was kind of like, "What are they going to do with this guy? He's small. He has a mask. He never talks. He's 150 pounds. How is this guy ever going to make it in WWE?" And it, it's amazing how good his career may have been if he started off as like that Zami Zane character.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The the rust line was pretty funny from Riddle, by the way. That was good. <laughs>
0: You if know, you didn't see it, that was funny. we're going to see that match, I guess, next week. And, you know, I'm pretty certain there's not going to be a uh, concrete winner.
1: Yeah, of course, uh, the RK Bro team with Randy Orton and Riddle will be taking on the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Finally, we didn't get the match at WrestleMania Backlash, but we're going to have it. So we're supposed to have one set of tag team champions coming up here and of course, you already gave a prediction on that—that that it's gonna something's gonna happen
0: with each. Yeah, and I'm reading that they're not unifying the belts anytime soon is what I've been reading. So,
1: yeah, it, it and and the funny part was when they did the promo too. The USO said we're just going to carry two different titles, and RK Bro said we're going to put them together. That was, I mean, it was the whole promo I thought was great, but I just I was just like, well, why would you say that? It's kind of weird.
0: Well, why would Cody Rhodes say that money in the bank, uh, the winners are going to wrestle in the main event at WrestleMania?
1: That was nine, tru-
0: nine months later.
1: That was true, too. Yeah, I just I did see that, uh, see that in the rumor that WWE has already got their WrestleMania matches planned out for next year in L.A. Good or bad? What do you think of that?
0: Well, you know, you always want to plan in advance. Now, whether that happens or not, you know, is, is it The Rock? You know, if the Royal Rumble is supposed to be where you get the title shot and there's only one champion, why would the guy in Money in the Bank in July have to sit around and wait all the way to April?
1: Yeah, that that is kind of weird. But, you know, I, I, I've always complained with WWE that they haven't done a lot of long-term storytelling. So, you know, if they know where they're going to be heading at WrestleMania next year, I, I guess I can't complain about that. I mean,
0: they did last year with Lesnar and Reigns. We knew that it was going to be pretty much that.
1: Yeah, with with one, but I, you know, I'm you know, I'm talking more of the you know the other titles, some other feuds that they want to pull off, and of course, you know, the best laid plans get screwed up. Of course, we saw that this year with you know Roman Reigns getting COVID and the Bobby Lashley getting the concussion mm-hmm. and all that crazy stuff happening right before WrestleMania. So you never wow. know where the road's going to go. But you know, if WWE is actually planning ahead for once, good
0: for them. Well, I, I want to know what's going on. All of a sudden, the last thing we're hearing now is about Roman Reigns taking months off. So,
1: yeah, and and I saw that that I've seen some sources report that he was going to be taking ten weeks off, and some have denied that. So I'm not I'm not sure where that's going. That's that's pretty interesting. But uh, having your double champion taking ten weeks off, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good well, idea or not.
0: Well, didn't at Hell in a the Cell they had Reigns on the front? It was the front face, and then they replaced it with Cody Rhodes.
1: Oh, that's right! I forgot about that.
0: You know why would you know why would you do that? There, there's got to be a reason.
1: Well, I guess we're going to find out here pretty soon. So,
0: um... you know, you usually when they air the commercials and things have changed, the commercial ends up being right because what everybody denied ended up being fact. That, that and, is, then they were, you know, and then they were trying to like backtrack. So like, oh, no, 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 it's not really like that. And then it ends up being that way anyway.
1: Yep. Well, there you go. A lot of good insider stuff tonight here on the Mark Hoke Show. We want to thank you for being with us. Joe, thanks for stopping by. I do appreciate it. Sure. So we're going to be back at it tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. here on KDWN, 101.5 FM, 720 AM for our normal time slot on the Mark Hoke Show. Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show, Facebook, The Mark Hoke Show, MarkHokeShow.com. Podcasts are available at com and all your favorite podcast outlets and YouTube as well. Thanks for being with us. Harvey Hyde's coming up next with the Trojan Football Report. So stick around here on KDW and we'll see you tomorrow morning.